See, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees about the people who were the riffraff. He's saying, listen, you get lost when you leave and squander, but when you come back, you are embraced and celebrated. See, Jesus is saying, you guys don't realize you've missed the very heart of God. Why? Because these tax collectors, they're coming back and I am embracing them and I'm celebrating the fact that they are interested in the kingdom of God again. Imagine someone you love has left you. If that person were to return again, what would your reaction be? Joy. Your relief and happiness at being in their presence again supersedes all other emotions in that moment. Now take that reaction and multiply it by a million. You might get close to what God feels when his children return to him. Today, Pastor Daniel will be celebrating the joy that comes when the lost people in the world are found. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 15 as he begins his message, Multiple Ways to Be Lost. So certain situations require subtlety. Now, that's a beautiful thing, but for some of us, like me, you're about as subtle as a thousand-foot neon sign in a valley. (laughs) I'm definitely in that category. Subtlety was not something that was in the cards for me. And it's not only really my fault. Part of it was that I was nurtured and reared in an environment where subtlety was not our strong suit at all. I mean, so I grew up in New Jersey. And so I always tell people, people say, so what was it like growing up in New Jersey? And I'm like, well, in some places you, you live, people smile at you and then they walk, and then you walk away and then they say, I don't really know if I like that person. I mean, but I grew up in the kind of environment where you'd walk up and someone say, listen, I don't like you. So if I walk away, just know I don't like you, you know? And some people say that that's rude. I just think it's real. At least you know where you stood. But then, you know, you take that and now I'm all Italian. And so if you've been around Cross, you heard uh, stories about my, my family growing up. You know, I love my family. Like, we like to say that in my family, you were loved so hard. You were like smothered, like kind of like cheese on nachos. You know, like you were loved and you knew it, but my family was something else. I mean, so, you know, when you're all Italian from New Jersey, there's just a lot of people and it's really loud. And so really growing up every Sunday night, I would call it now an open house that anyone was welcome to be there and nobody got an invitation. Everyone just came when they wanted to. And I remember one time asking my mom about this, be like, mom, like, you know, what happens if we run out of food? She's like, we're Italian. We never run out of food. And so it was like one of those things where people would show up and everyone would have their hands full of food. And it was always a thing. Now, you know, you say Sunday night dinner, but really it began at about three o'clock on Sunday. You know, and so people would show up and aunts and uncles. And, and I remember this one Sunday, I'll never forget it because it was one of those days where it was like, it was just that, you know, how if you have a large family, there's always like, those unique people in your family, you put them together and you know something bad is going to go down. So it was one of those Sundays where it was just like, it was the right collection of aunts and uncles and people who I thought were aunts and uncles, but they were really friends that were kind of like family, but they weren't really family. And so sure enough, it's, it's just one of those days. And I remember all of a sudden I hear my aunt at the front door being like, Hey Jody, there's a boy here and he looks like he's going to a costume party. 
so Jody's my sister, and so I have two beautiful sisters, so it was not uncommon for guys to drop by because um, guys were always calling on my sisters because they were beautiful. Now, listen, I got two daughters. Don't ever think about sending your son to drop by my house. That's, that's a different discussion for another day. But don't get any bright ideas, okay? Because... So, but, but because it was an open house, my aunt just invited this guy in. And, and he wasn't invited by my sister. He was just kind of there. And, and so sure enough, I look and it's a guy that I went to school with. And sure enough, it's like, I thought it was strange that she said, it looks like he was going to a costume party. Because I'm like, what is that all about? And I peer around and he's got like a bandana on and a hat. And he's like multicolored, you know. It was just the mid-90s, so if you know the, the, the look. You know, he's one of those guys who drove a car that the car was like $500 and there was like $6,000 worth of upgrades to the car. Like a big fin on the back and tinted windows and big tires and big loud boombox system. And so sure enough, this guy walks in and, and like he, just, he didn't realize he was walking into the den of the lions, man. He had no clue because everyone was just looking at him. And, and literally before he could even say like, you know, I'm just, I wanted to see if Jody was around. Like he gets dragged into this thing. And my grandma walks up. My grandma's the sweetest lady in the world. She's like, oh, good here. Grab a plate. We're just about to eat. And this guy looks like deer in headlights. Right? And so sure enough, everyone sits down. And as we're walking over, this poor guy who, know, like, he'd never been at my house before. And this guy I go to school with, I see all my uncles and they're kind of like looking at him like, looking at them, looking at each other, and I'm like, oh, this is going to go really bad, you know? So normally in my family, you know, all Italian, Catholic, Northeast, the grace before the meal went something like, hey, God, you're good, thank you for the food, salut. And then that's really, and so, if, you know, that's kind of how it, grew, it, it went. So salute means like health or, you know, cheers in my family. And so that was about all the time that God got. And normally after it was salute, then it erupted. Like where it's like, who's fighting about what they fought about yesterday? Hey, Pastor Meek, I get some salt. Hey, where's the salt? You know, it, it was so loud. But this one time it's super silent. Silence. And I'm like, and I'm like looking around and. And, and like, nor, like, this is not normal. Silence, and it's like the hush of heaven, but in my house, and this didn't happen. And so sure enough, it's silence. And then finally, my, one of my uncles just says, who's this bozo over here? <laughs> and then it's not silent anymore, because now it's on, you know? It's like all the uncles have been waiting to like, you know, and this guy's just like looking like this, and he's like looking over at me, because I go to school with this guy, I'm just like, I'm like, just eat. You know, like, it's going to be okay. And they just started laying into this guy. Like, and really bad. And be like, Jay Jody, is this your boyfriend? And it's like, and and everyone looks like they belong in a mob movie. You know what I mean? It's like, they got their beepers hanging from this. Like, my one, and then there's my one Uncle Sonny, who, my Uncle Sonny is a riot. My Uncle Sonny's got these rose-colored glasses on. And he's not saying anything, which I know is a problem. Because it's like, he's just waiting, and he's waiting. And then finally, this poor guy is being, now we call it bullying, you know? Like, they were just tough on this kid, you know? And he's like 17 years old, this kid, you know? He's in high school, you know? And then all of a sudden, it dies down for a second. And then my Uncle Sonny's like, where'd you get those clothes? And I'm like, oh, just lay, and just laying it, and so not subtle at all. And then it got really bad because then the ants got in too. You know, and you know, when like, and all the ants, like, you know, all my ants, they all have like the classic Italian Northeast lady, big hair, lots of gold, tan, lots of manicures, like five at a time, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
and they're just like, oh, but he's cute. Oh, just, you know, and then finally my mom's like, just, we just leave him alone. We just leave the guy alone. And he's like, you know, I think I should be going right now. And then my grandma's like, sit down and eat. You know, it's like that kind of a thing, you know? So I bring all this up because like, I just didn't get the subtle gene at all. It was like, everything's like out on the table, like kind of a mess. And I realized as I've gotten older that, you know, Jesus has a tremendous way of being subtle sometimes. He's not always subtle, but when subtlety is needed, Jesus has this tremendous ability to bring a subtle distinction out in such a way that was, is absolutely necessary. And I want to show you one of those today. So I want you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 15. We're going to be taking verses 11 to 32. This is the famed parable of the prodigal son. Right? Well-known text. Right? But what's amazing is, is Jesus in his tremendous gift of subtlety, most people don't realize that this parable isn't really about the son who goes away. See, Jesus pulls something out that you almost don't even notice it unless you read it all in context. So open up those Bibles, Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. Chapter 15 begins with the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're complaining about who Jesus keeps company with. He keeps company with the riffraff of that society. And then Jesus tells really three stories. He tells the story of the lost sheep. Remember, there's the 100 sheep, one goes astray, and he leaves the 99 go for the one. And then the parable of the lost coin. There's 10 coins, right? She loses one. She sweeps all day until she finds it. And then he tells the story of the prodigal son, which it begins like the other two stories, but it ends in a completely different spot. Now, I want to just break this open for you. Look what it says in verse 11. It says this. It says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living, or the word prodigal means wasteful or excessive. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went, and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly had filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, for I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. Now stop right there. See, this is the story of the prodigal son. Now, Really what goes on here is this son, he's living in his father's house. And this father has two sons. So the one son, he goes to his dad. He says, dad, will you give me my inheritance now? So really what the son is saying is, dad, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Because getting your inheritance before somebody passes away is not exactly normal, right? So he's coming saying, look, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Can I get the money now? And the father decides, yes, you can. And he gives his son And the son decides to take it and he goes to a far country and he lives excessively or prodigally. I'll say it to you this way, that you and I, we can get lost 
when we leave and we squander. We get lost when we leave and we squander. See, this son, he decides he does not want to be in his father's house anymore. He doesn't want to be under his father's authority. So he leaves him. And what's amazing is, is even though he leaves his father, his father has to bestowed upon him all that he needs. But you leave, and then when you leave the presence of the father, you end up squandering what the father has given you. Now, this is a beautiful example of the tax cultures and sinners that Jesus is advocating for to the Pharisees. Because the problem for those people is that God had blessed them. He gave them breath in their lungs. He knit them together fearfully and wonderfully in his mother's womb. He gave them gifts and talents and intelligence and all these things that somebody has. But they decided, I don't want to be in my father's house. So you leave the house of God. You leave an understanding of God. And then you begin to live in a way that you may not realize it, but it's excessive or wasteful. Now, you all realize from your own personal finances that really the key to not losing everything is making sure whatever money you have, you can... Make more of it, and you don't spend more than you have. But a lot of us know what it's like when you choose to live outside of your means for whatever reason. When you spend way more than you can replenish, and then before you know it, you end up in a really bad spot. So what he was doing is he wasn't stewarding his what his father had given him. And in the same way, for you and I, before we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we were doing the same thing. There's some of you right now. You're this person. Now, maybe you're not to the extent that the prodigal son was in, because later on, the older brother says that he spent all of his money on harlots or prostitutes, and I'll let the hearer understand, you know? But whenever you leave the presence of God and you steward what God has entrusted to you in a way that is not in lines with what the Father would have, you are living in a wasteful way. And it happens because first you choose to leave the presence of your heavenly father. And then second, by being away from him, you ultimately squander what he's entrusted to you. Where you use the gifts and talents that he's given you, but you use them for other means. Now, I look at my own life and I see this in my own life. Because again, like I grew up in an amazing family, but we didn't, we weren't walking with Jesus. And so very quickly as a young person with gifts and talents and issues and all those things, I didn't have any idea that there was a father's house to live in. So I, I left this presence and then I did with whatever I wanted to do. So, you know, um, I have a big mouth and I could use my big mouth for lots of things. And I've done a lot of things with my big mouth. I've heard a lot of people and said a lot of wrong things. I have a quick wit, which means that, you know, my pastor used to say, Daniel, you have the gift of hopping the ball, which means you just go back and forth all day with with witty comments and stuff like that. And, And I would use that to hurt people. I remember when I first came to know Jesus, there was a friend of ours. Her name was Sarah. And Sarah really thought that our friend Chris was really a handsome guy. But she would never tell him. And I remember one day, I was just in one of those moods and I was just, I was like, we were all sitting there, all of our friends. I'm like, Sarah, why don't you just tell Chris you, you think he's beautiful? And I'm like, come on, we all know you dig his chili. I was just giving her a hard time. And I'll never forget it. Sarah just started to cry because I wasn't in New Jersey anymore. So you didn't talk that way, you know? And I remember I felt so convicted of the spirit. And the Lord was like, Daniel, I've given you a mouth not to hurt your friends. And I was like, oh. But I had taken what God had given me and I was using it for all the wrong things, right? Listen, there's some of you right now, this is where you are. You have received gifts and talents, 
all sorts of things from the Lord, but you have left his presence and now you're squandering it with wasteful living. Now what goes on for this guy is him squandering his resources. That was his fault. But then you couple on it some situations that were outside of his control, what ended up happening was is he squandered it and then he walked right into a famine. So he lost everything he had and now there's external circumstances that are now pressing in. There's a severe famine in the land and what you end up finding is now he's in want. And so what this young man who's been having such a great time Leave out of his father's house, life of the party, everything he needs, now he's in want and nobody can help him because there's a famine. So what he ends up doing is he links himself up to a man who herded or shepherded, so to speak, pigs. Now, for a young Jewish man, this was the worst job ever. Pigs in that culture were considered unclean. You know, and if you like bacon, just thank Jesus for the Jerusalem Council every single day. You'll get it later. Just write that down. Just write it down, you get it later. And so what ended up going on is for this young man, he's in such want that he's not only feeding pigs, which was completely a detestable vocation for him, but he's looking at the pods that the pigs would eat, and he's lusting after that food. And listen, this shows what happens when we get away from the Lord long enough and we squander what he's given us enough. We begin to desire pig's food. And unfortunately, some of us know what this is like. Some of us know what it's like to be so far away from God and so given over to things that are so wasteful and excessive that before you know it, the pig's food looks delicious. And any of us who've been in the depths of addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We've been there. We've seen that stuff where the most egregious, disgusting things look like something that would be a gift at that moment. But then all of a sudden, notice what it says, verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father's house. And I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. See, all of a sudden he came to himself. Now listen, I think there's some of you right now, you're coming to yourself right as you hear that. You're like, that's you right now. You're looking at your life and you're looking at the things that you desire and you're saying, I am desiring pig's food right now. And right now, in this moment, you realize that in your heavenly father's house, there is more than enough. And even though you've made a ton of mistakes, you know that in your father's house, there's grace and there's blessing and there's forgiveness. And I'm here to tell you, you need to come to yourself and you need to decide to come home. You're hearing this right now because God is saying, I don't want you to be away. I want you to come home. But you have to make that decision. He comes, all of a sudden, he's reminded of his father's house and what it's like in a place of peace and grace. Now, what I think is beautiful is he begins to rehearse his speech. Father, notice he says, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I've sinned against God and I've sinned in your sight. Now this is powerful because this is what sin really does. Really you sin against God and then you sin in the presence of people, right? When you realize that God is a holy God and a perfect God, you sin against God first and then because you sin against God, you sin in the presence of people. King David said almost the same thing. Psalm 51 verses one to four. When he realized what he had done, this is what he says. 
This is after his sin with Bathsheba. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Here's the thing, my friend. If you just stole from your parents, you sinned before your parents, but you really sinned against God. And your parents are getting the brunt of that. See, it's always vertical first. It's always about God first. And when you realize, see, this young man has good theology. He's like, I sinned against heaven, against God. And I've sinned before the eyes of my father by wasting what he's entrusted to me. See, this is, you get lost when you leave and you squander. Because your life is about you stewarding the gifts that God has given you. So he decides he's going to go home. Now, look at what happens, middle of verse 20. It says, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here to kill it. And let us eat and be married for my son who is dead is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Here's the thing. Your return is embraced and celebrated. Your return is embraced and celebrated. See, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees about the people who were the riffraff. He's saying, listen, you get lost when you leave and squander, but when you come back... You are embraced and celebrated. See, Jesus is saying, you guys don't realize you've missed the very heart of God. Why? Because these tax collectors, they're coming back and I am embracing them and I'm celebrating the fact that they are interested in the kingdom of God again. See, this young man does not even get his whole speech out. This picture of while he was afar off, you get the picture in your mind of the father every evening sitting on the front porch of his house, looking onto the horizon, waiting for his son to come home. I know many of you who have prodigals, you know exactly what that's like. You're just waiting for the phone to ring. You're just waiting for a text message to come. You're just waiting for that child to show back up again. And this father, when he sees him at a distance, he gets up, he runs to him. In that culture, dads didn't run. It was long before the day and age of dads getting on treadmills and doing Ironmans, all that stuff. At that point, it was like dads were too regal and cool to run. But literally, this father is moved with compassion, and the son starts to get the story out, and the dad cuts him off. Jesus is The story of the prodigal son is well known, but have you ever applied it to your own life? Today, Pastor Daniel did just that by reminding you that you are God's child. Even though you may have strayed away from him, and even though you may have mismanaged his resources and gifts, you still belong to him. He's still waiting for you, and he's delighted to welcome you home to his presence. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. 
Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will ask if instead of being like the younger son, are you more like the older son in Jesus' parable? This son had always been with his father doing exactly as he was told, never asking for special treatment, yet he never fully embraced his father's attitude toward others. He missed the love. Don't let your heart fall into the same attitude. Rejoice with the Father over those who are found. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series, Legends. Until then, may God bless.